to us. Amen. Amen. Uh, so assured is Graham of the faithfulness of God um, for you guys and for us that he didn't uh, take up an offering this morning. So I'm just going to fill in a little bit of time if the ushers could, uh, could, could hand those buckets around. Hey, I mean, partly joking, but if God's not going to be faithful now, you know, what's it all been for? We trust that he, he's going to look after you. I think they're coming already, sorry. Oh, one little thing that I laughed at that while we're doing that, um, I'm a bit of a footy fan, so I follow the Brisbane Lions, and yesterday they tweeted out, uh, the Brisbane Lions wish to advise that tomorrow's AFLW game will be closed to spectators. So the AFLW plays just across the road from our house at Hickey Park, and there's this car park that's quite elevated. So even if you couldn't get in... Uh, it's free to go to the AFLW anyway, but you can stand up there. Anyway, the first tweet back to the Brisbane Lions was our illustrious youth uh, leader, Ben Souden. Good luck stopping me from watching from the Hill Boys. Ha ha! Did you have it to yourself? Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, I should have joined you. Um, Great. Well, uh, we're here. We're here. Has anyone uh, experienced a sort of dawning sense of perspective this week where it's like the things that mattered last week um, are changing? <laughs> the things that seem to be mattering this week are, are maybe different from what mattered last week. The things that um, might normally annoy you or inconvenience you, the things that you want to complain about ordinarily don't seem as important than this week. Has anyone found that? Yeah, yeah. yep, thank you, Joy. Well, yeah, those who have been brave enough to say yes, I've got to say you're holier than me because um, I just want to whinge about the same old stuff as well. Uh, uh, I've been annoyed by uh, just extra stuff. Uh, I haven't reached the level of maturity that some of you are at. So, like, when people are having a conversation in a thoroughfare, that's one of my uh, pet peeves. You're at the supermarket, and there's people talking in the middle, and there might be someone next to you, isn't there something kind of cathartic and, uh, and, and relieving about looking at someone else and going, <laughs> rolling your eyes. That's a good feeling, isn't it, purging that? Um, what else has happened to me this week? Uh, well... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I know, it's real. The struggle is real. Um, it, it, I, I can go better. Uh, I like to, to walk um, here on a Sunday morning, particularly when I'm speaking just in the pre-dawn light. One thing that I love this city, but that bugs me about walking in the dark hours is bats. Like, particularly in the established suburbs where there's overhanging things and bats just come out and often they poo on you. Well, this morning... I had a bat land on my head and, and scratch it and then I flicked it off and it fell to the ground and sort of limped. So you guys might be worrying about coronavirus. I'm worried about lysivirus as well. Uh, you should be worried if uh, whoever's up here starts coughing while they're speaking. I might start foaming at the mouth. I need your prayers. I tell you what. Another thing that bugged me this week, uh, I had to... Uh, is there something inappropriate about this? 
<laughs> I uh, had to, our, the kitchen cabinet that is in our rental is just terrible. And uh, so the doors are falling off and stuff and, and, and the chipboard isn't really holding the screws. So I'm trying to muck around with that. And I had these little Phillips head screws and I just didn't have the right size screwdriver. So I'm trying to do it with a flat head screwdriver. And isn't that the worst when you don't have the right tools for the job? For, for, for the task that is in front of you, whatever tool you have is not kind of made for it. It's not intended... You're the tool. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. You could have the best shed in, uh, in history and you'd still stuff it up. Is that what you're saying, right? But do you know what I mean? If you're, I mean, whatever that is in your world, it might be when you go on holidays and you don't have your thermomix there when you're cooking for people and you have to use the normal blender. There's just nothing as frustrating as not having the tools that are set for the job, right? The tools that are intended for the job. And I was thinking about that this week and speaking about people being tools. Um, that was Graham's self-identification there. He said he's the tool that's a problem. I mean, what, what are you? What kind of a thing are you as a human being? What are you intended for? What are you purposed for? You ever look in yourself, at yourself in the mirror and, and think, what is this all about? Well, I'm encouraging you to do that just in this moment. Ask yourself, what are you? What kind of thing are you? Because I tell you, the world is going to answer that question for you if you don't have an answer already. And the world is going to tell you things like this, that you are a set of taste buds to be tantalised because you deserve it. I don't know how many advertising taglines say that. The world is going to tell you that you are a mind to be entertained. The world is going to tell you things like you are a face to be framed just right. I don't know which is the better side for your Instagram account. The world's going to tell you that that's important, that's part of who you are. It's going to tell you that you are a body to be sculpted or to be primped and preened so it looks just right. It's going to tell you that you're a body to be adorned by clothes that give you some sort of value or status. It's going to tell you in more difficult times, like the ones that we find ourselves in, that you're a stomach to be fulfilled, that you are a body to be sheltered, that you're a biological system to be protected from infection. You are hands to be washed. And of course, these things are more or less true. Some of them more so than others. Some of those things that the world is going to tell you that you are are, are more true. Some of them are less true. But what I want to suggest for us this morning is that the degree to which those things are true, they are only a part of the whole truth, only a part of a greater truth. The message that I was preparing for this morning in our There is a River theme was going to be about this thing that we've started to talk about purging, 
right? Getting rid of things. Part of a spiritual waltz that can lead us to a sense of renewed life in the presence of God. I ended up just purging about a whole lot of things that annoyed me during the week. I don't know if that counts as some sort of spiritual discipline. Um, But the week has changed somewhat. Now, spiritual seekers have, I think, always understood, whether it's by the revelation of God or the application of their own minds, that this thing that the world says about who we are, that we're stomachs to be filled, that we're taste buds to be tantalised, is only part of the truth. And that's why spiritual seekers in the Christian tradition, in the Jewish tradition, many traditions have done this thing where they started to strip things away intentionally, right? They take a vow of chastity. They take a vow of poverty. They fast. They commit themselves to living simply Because what happens as we do that is we are put in touch with the other part of the truth of who we are. That we are not just appetites, that we are not just a body, that actually primarily we are something else altogether, that we are a spirit being. And it's funny how when you begin to take away the things that reaffirm that you're just a body, that you're just a set of appetites, that you're just a set of physical needs, what you often find that what you're left with is the truth that you're a spirit as well as all of those things. Jesus went through this. He was led by the Spirit says in Matthew 4, into the wilderness to be tempted and tested. And I know that many of you will know this story. To be tested by the enemy. And um, it says that the enemy, this tempter, came to him in verse 3 of chapter 4 and says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus was hungry. He'd been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. But he responds to the tempter and he says, It is written that humans shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is speaking from that spiritual reality. You'll know that this isn't the only verse in Scripture. In fact, so much of it speaks to this reality. John 6, 63, Jesus says, The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are what is full of spirit and life. The Apostle Paul says in chapter 8, Therefore, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the laws of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin In the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but live according to the Spirit. 
Those who live according to their flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God, says Paul. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. All three of these verses, and more that I could point to had our time, speak to the fact that if we give our life to Jesus, if we live in that spirit, if we've handed our lives over, we are anchored in a different reality. We are not anchored in the world. We are not anchored in our needs, wants, our frailties as human beings in the flesh. We are anchored to something greater, something deeper into the spirit. So where the flesh fears death, in the spirit, death has been conquered. We are anchored into eternal life. We are anchored into... Thank you, Chris. We are anchored into life abundant. We have no fear of death. Where the flesh is shaken at the prospect of financial ruin, in the spirit, the abundance of heaven and all that God has is ours, our inheritance. Where the flesh is frail, where it hungers and thirsts, when pantries run empty and tanks run dry. The spirit, in the spirit, there is real food and real drink. We are perhaps more in the wilderness in this moment than we even realise. I think there's no benefit at this stage in burying our heads in the sand. There's no benefit in ignoring the reality of our situation. Life has changed. Even this week, the world has changed. And where I was going to preach a sermon, where I sort of encouraged you to begin to strip things away, Asking what God could do. That's been taken out of our hands. We are being stripped. So many of those things that have made us who we are in the flesh, that have given our life shape and meaning in the flesh, are already being taken from us. Welcome to the wilderness. But who knows that God has a track record with people in the wilderness? Yep. Doesn't he? Psalm 78, the psalmist talks about this. He says, I'm going to speak about things from old. Things we have heard that our ancestors have told us. God did miracles 
in the sight of our ancestors in the land of Egypt. He divided the sea and the land and took them through. He made the water stand up like a wall. He guided them with the cloud by day and with light from fire all night. He split rocks in the wilderness and he gave them an abundance of water like the seas. He brought streams out of rocky crags and made water flow like rivers in the desert. Our ancestors spoke against God. They said, can God really spread a table for us in the wilderness? But true to his word and who he is, he struck the rock and water gushed out. Streams flowed abundantly. Can he also give us bread? The people asked. Could he supply meat for us here in the wilderness? And there was a command to the skies above and the doors of heaven opened. And God rained down manna for the people to eat. He gave them grain from heaven. Human beings ate the bread of angels. He sent them food that they could eat there. He let loose the east wind from the heavens, and by his power he made the south wind blow. He rained meat down on them as quails like dust, birds like sand on the seashores. He made, them come, he, he made these birds come down inside their camp all around their tents, and they ate till they were filled. He had given them what they craved. See, the thing about life in the spirit is we can trust that God will meet our fleshly appetites. He loves us. He cares for us. He's faithful. But what God was doing in the wilderness for his people there was about more than just meeting their needs in the flesh, more than just giving them food and drink. He was teaching his people to rely on him, teaching his people to live in the spirit, teaching his people not to walk by sight, but to walk by faith, teaching him them that they could trust him to meet their needs, not to trust in the flesh, but to live with God in the spirit. So I want to end coming back to the question that I began with. What are you? What kind of thing are you as a human being? For what were you purposed? What intent were you created for? What are you to do? Romans 8, as we read, says, you are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. Matthew 4 has Jesus saying to his tempter, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. John 6, 63 says, the spirit gives life and the flesh counts for nothing. The words that I have spoken to you, Jesus said, They are full of the Spirit and full of life. We need to stand on these things. We need to recognise that our purpose, our life, comes from the Word of God. We need to recognise that if we walk in the Spirit, we have nothing to fear in the flesh.